Have you even looked at the show notes, Daniel? I have, yeah. I've studied them closely. A lot there. Jam packed. Yep. Been a big week. Mm Mm-hmm. Huge. But before we get to that, we missed something last week when we were talking about the upcoming Fuji Summit. Do you know what we missed? We talked about the, the, the really hot music. We talked about the S10, S20. No, no, the the uh, the upcoming Fuji Summit. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about the GFX 100 and all the things that I want as far as the roadmaps. But no, nothing's yeah. coming to mind. We, we missed the rumor that they might release a new film simulation at that Fuji Summit. No, I didn't see that rumor. That that's a rumor. That's no, nope, I don't believe it. Could be real. Don't don't. No, I can't. I can't. I just can't. I can't have this again. Because they were saying that there hasn't, there wasn't a new one when the XH2S and all the other stuff with the new processor came out, and so that seemed kind of weird. And now there's a rumor that there might be a new film simulation. Did they say what? No, no, they didn't say what. Mm-hmm. But it was from a trusted source. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't do this again. I just can't, Daniel. I bought my XT3. And it was, it's an amazing camera. It's still an amazing camera. Like, just, it's fantastic. They came out with then, like, the next, the next camera. What was it? What was after they, it was, I think even on, like, the X-Pro 3, they came out with these new film simulations. Like, here's, here's a classic Neg. Yeah. That was the next one. Oh, they'll, they'll roll that back to the, the X-T3. I mean, it's, it's, like, not that old. Yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't why they? Why would they not? They never did. Yeah. Never did. And here I am. I got my my ancient piece of trash XH2S now that has been probably totally forgotten about at this point. And they're going to come out and say, "Hey, here's I don't know our version of Ektachrome," and I won't be able to contain myself. And I know I know Ektachrome's Kodak. Okay, just just stop it. I was just saying that I don't like I don't I don't know all Fuji's tradition. <laughs> well, there, there is there is actually precedence for that because classic Chrome is not a Fuji film stock, and so but you can buy it's Fu- I, I think it's based on something from Kodak. I found and we can get into this if you want. <laughs> I found some 120 Fuji classic Chrome film stock. They make it. Well, maybe now they do. I don't think they did originally. <laughs> Whatever they come out with this hot stuff, mm-hmm. and then they don't they don't update the XH2S and the XH2 and the XT5 with that film simulation. I'll I'll quit Fuji right here right now. I I don't I'll, believe you. I'll walk all. away. I'll sell all uh, my gear. Sell all your patches. Switch into Sony. <laughs> That's it. Done. I'll throw my patches in the trash. Oh man, this is the one thing that could make you into a Sony bro. <laughs> That's it. I'm ready. They hold back those film simulations mm-hmm. from you. They better not. <laughs> so help me. Well, we'll see. It'd be pretty interesting to see a new one. So. They already did it once. I just can't. I can't have. I can't. I can't do this again. I can't go through it. I'm too too hurt. Still, <laughs> the pain endures. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video. So, Lucas, speaking of being a Sony bro. (laughs) Oh, do you want to talk about all the stuff that that dropped today? I mean, we probably should because everybody else is, right? Well, like, I woke up this morning and I was like, 
I know it's Sony Day. I know like, this is going to happen. Like all the info is going to drop. I'm going to learn everything about it. We're going to talk about it on the pod. It's going to be great. And I was like, well, 8 a.m., nothing. Oh, it must be like an embargo at whatever some early o'clock. And like 10 a.m. hits. And so does every single like YouTube video and blog post. Yep. Yep. A lot of <laughs> yeah. tweets out there. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of, st- lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of stuff happening with those cameras. A lot of stuff for uh, them just announcing one lens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a new 16 to 35. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does look like a pretty good lens, to be fair. They said it was like 20% smaller and 10% lighter or something like that. I'm all about making lenses smaller and lighter. But yeah. then they also improved everything else about it. Yeah. Like, it's sharper, has less focus breathing, has a closer minimum focal distance. I mean, I'm just saying, if Fuji's looking to update their 16 to 55, they could just do the same these same things. You know, if they made a smaller, lighter lens that was better in every way, I'd probably buy it. Yeah, I mean that would be pretty cool. That's what we're, that's what we're waiting on. Yeah, the yeah. sixteen to fifty five isn't that old, right? I mean, it's the only one that they made, but they like the, the red badge thing. It's probably what five or six years yeah, old, something like that. It does feel like it. It could use some modification. Yeah, like uh, OIS. Yeah. So what else? What else we're we talking about with Fuji? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, we pretty much covered it, right? I think that's that's enough for the show today. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, even though Sony didn't throw any of their enormous marketing budget at us, we probably should talk about those new Oh, cameras. that's fine. It, it, I think it is. They're both simultaneously interesting and not interesting at yeah. all. <laughs> it, I, I will say what they announced was not what I expected. And I mean, I, I thought they were going to release the A7C Mark II, which they did. And, yeah. But that wasn't expecting there to be two cameras. That no. was That was different. Huge surprise. And I mean, I guess just the way they positioned these was different than what I was expecting. And a big part of that for me is the price. So the C definitely doesn't stand for cheap. Mm-mm. It felt like last time it did. Yeah. Because when- the last one was like sub 2000, right? I thought it was 1700 Yeah, that's kind of what I had in yeah, mind, Yeah, and it's like, oh, here's the A7C, C for mm-hmm. compact, C for cheap. We're going to yeah. cut a cut a front dial, low-resolution screen, blah, blah, blah. But it's super small, has all the same videos and photo specs as the, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then with this camera, like, I was thinking it's going to be kind of the same thing. And I was already kind of in my head thinking, you know, what sets this apart from, like, the A6700? Like, their sure. lineup's getting really confusing. And then they released these cameras, which makes even less sense to me. It's just really weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've i been thinking about, like, where does where does this line end up in their line? And, like, are they just compact cameras? Are they meant to be replacements? Or, mm. well, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, I mean, we can probably should maybe introduce them a little bit and then sure. we can kind of dive into them. So... A7C2 is an A7 IV, just straight up. Yeah. It's the same sensor, all this stuff. They did, in traditional Sony fashion, add all of the new stuff into the new camera, mm-hmm. which particularly is the AI processor. Yeah, which is a pretty big ad. It is a pretty big ad. And, you know, it's a significant improvement with the autofocus and the tracking and, like, they add, you know, all, like, the video featurey things where it can do, like, the smart, like, frame that follows you and, yep. you know, all, all that kind of cool yep. stuff. So, like, they brought all those features in and then, like, they brought some improvements. Like, here's better image stabilization, you know, what with, like, the same sensor and the same processor and all this stuff. And so, it's like they improved the a 7 IV kind of. Yeah. And 
but and then here it is for just like a little cheaper yeah i mean it is worse in a few ways so the battery is a little bit worse than the a7 IV, and it has uh, micro hdmi which is and a single card slot which are both kind of downsides compared to the a7 IV. right it's like hey here's here's the compact version of the same camera and the trade-offs are they're almost obvious but they're kind of weird i think that like what these cameras are makes way more sense when talking about the a7cr which is the other new camera yeah mm-hmm. and so like maybe talk about that one first okay yeah. and because like you have the a7r5 that came out whatever like six months ago yeah eight months something ago, like something that. Like that. And that's a pretty expensive camera right yeah it's like four thousand yeah. dollars and that was the first one with these new ai process mm-hmm. co-processor things and all the new features and that sort of stuff there's some stuff that came into like the zve1 that never made it back to the a7r5 right because they don't do firmware retroactively and but in general like the a7cr is like okay here's a cheaper version of the a7r5 it's a thousand dollars cheaper and what you're going to lose is you're going to lose a card slot the the evf is going to be worse the back screen is going to be worse mm-hmm. the ibis ibis is going to be worse and you're going to have like slower burst rates and like it's kind of compromised in a lot of areas. Well, you missed the big one too. No 8K video. Right. No 8K video because probably, probably because of heat. Mm-hmm. And so like it's like here's a bunch of little compromises. But if you like what you're looking for is a photo camera that can shoot over 60 megapixels, mm-hmm. which is going to is basically just this camera. You can like this A7R5 or it's this one. Yeah. And if you, if you want a high resolution photo camera but that's also very small and compact and very easy to travel with like here you go like you you can choose to trade off on things like redundancy and evfs and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 maybe some battery life etc cetera, etc cetera, to get into like this smaller package it's interesting uh the 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 similarities here between the a7r5 and the a7cr versus Whew. the uh, Z9 and Z8 from Nikon. Right. Yeah, kind of a similar idea. It is. It, yeah, it is very similar idea. Right. It's like here's the here's the big deal, and then like if you want something that's different or smaller or whatever, mm-hmm. like here's some trade offs for something that's cheaper. Yeah. And so I think that, like that make it makes total sense mm-hmm. to me. Like this A7CR for three thousand dollars is like okay, yeah, sure. You know, here's a cheaper, smaller version. Yeah. Where it doesn't make sense is the A7C2 because the A7C2 seems to be better in most ways than the A7 IV. I agree. The A7, A7C2 and the A7CR have like the same IBIS system, but like it's worse than what was in the A7R5, but it's better than what's in the A7 IV because the A7 IV is like two years old at this point. Well, and, and think about the ZVE1. That camera, I think, is the same price. I think it's. I think that was also twenty two hundred dollars. Yes, it is the same price, and I'm not sure what's all that different. I think the video specs are maybe a little better on the ZVE one. I'm not sure. I know the ZVE one doesn't have an EVF, so right. that's probably the most meaningful difference. But I mean, it just seems really confusing. How do you decide what camera to buy? I feel like that one's actually actually a lot easier than it sounds. If you need a video camera and your budget's like twenty two hundred bucks, and you want and you're in, you need a full frame. Because <laughs> if, if the answer is don't need full frame, maybe you're going to go buy an FX3. Even if you need a full frame, though, why are you not getting an S5 Mark II? <laughs> Shh, Daniel, Daniel, <laughs> hush. <laughs> you need to add. You need to add the other qualifier that you're Sorry, already a and, Sony, bro, and you are buying Sony. Yeah. <laughs> well, like maybe you need the AI, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh huh. Okay. Like the ZVE1 is an A7S3, which that that 12 megapixel sensor is 
great. The dynamic range is really good. The noise performance is awesome. It's going to have uncropped, like, 4K 60 video stuff, Yeah, I think. I think you're right. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's better for video in almost every way. Yeah. So, like, if you only need video, you would buy the ZV-E1 over the A7C2. It's even smaller. Like, it's it's, it's this little compact little baby camera thing. It's super cool. If you're looking for, like, a compact video camera. If you need a hybrid, the A7C2 is going to be your, the way you go because it's has much better video performance than the A7R. No, A7CR. Yeah. But it has better photo performance because, like, for one, you get an EVF. It's 33 mm-hmm. megapixels. Right, it's like right. it's a photo camera, unlike the ZV-E1. Yeah. So it's like video, hybrid, and then I think of like the A7CR as just straight up photo. It does video stuff, but it's like they took, I wouldn't buy that as a video camera. I would not either. They took out the they took out the 8K. Uh, it doesn't. It does like this weird bending stuff to even just get down to a 4K image. You can shoot yeah. an APS-C as a 6K over sample to APS-C, but like it's it just has a bunch of like weird caveats. Yeah. And so I, to me, I, that's a photo camera. I think that's fine. Like I think that having a three thousand dollar photo camera that's sixty one megapixels full frame, I think that's a perfectly reasonable products to exist and yep. it, it fits in a well-defined spot in their lineup yes i could see myself buying that camera for certain uses like i sure. think it makes sense but yeah the uh the a7c2 is the one that's really kind of just really weird it's weird because the a7 4 which is you know its sister camera is three hundred dollars more at 2500 bucks still mm-hmm. you could probably find it used for a similar price to this and it's like, why Why would you buy one instead of the other? And it's yeah. like, it's ba- you're basically picking between like screen resolutions and SD card slots and autofocus. Yeah, I mean, h- how do you not pick this over the A7 IV is my question. You, know, you get all the new AI stuff, very similar specs otherwise. It just, to me, makes it seem like they, they really need to be releasing an A7 V soon because the A7 IV feels outdated now. I, I agree. I mean, it, I, I don't see how you sell the A7 IV for $300 more than this camera. Yeah. I get that, like, you can probably justify it with some of, like, the parts costs and that sort of thing. But really, it's it's just, it's too it's too strange. Yeah, I agree. I, I think what, what just surprises me most is I feel like they've taken the, the A7C Mark I fit into this sub $2,000 price limit that was... Because like when the Canon R8 came out, is it the R8? The R8's the full frame one, I think? Right, yeah, yeah R8's when full R- frame. When the R8 came out, I was like, well, like this is the, the cheapest good full frame you can get, but it's not going to last very long because you know Sony's going to update the A7C and then that's going to be direct competition. And then they didn't do it. I mean, this camera is over $2,000. That puts it in a very different price category. Yeah. I'm just kind of surprised that they gave up on that. I guess they think this A6700 is their is, is what they're offering in that level. It is, it is very strange because the, the R8 sits right at that right at that sweet spot. It's $1,500. Mm-hmm. It's full frame. The video specs are pretty good. Like, we need you to uncrop 4K60. Like, it's... It's a very good I camera. Mean, that, that's a that's an ideal spot too. I mean, we had somebody this week ask mm-hmm. us, "I have fifteen hundred dollars. I want to buy a video camera. What do I get?" It's like the first thing that comes to mind is the R eight. Right. It's like sure you don't get IBIS, sure you don't get like dual card slots and that sort of thing. Like there are compromises to sure. it, but it's it's at this price point where like 
what full frame cameras, like what are the cheapest full frame cameras you can buy? And something in the $1,000 to $2,000 range is probably going to get pick up more market share. Because I feel like anytime someone comes and talks to me about like, what kind of camera should I buy? Their budget is like, usually, I mean, I don't want to spend more than $1,000, $1,500 on a camera and a lens. Yeah. And it's like, man, you are, you're right there. Because if you spend an extra 500 bucks, you could get a $1,500 camera and a decent lens and like, you know, you're, you're $2,000 out the door. But in that, that's a probably an easy sell up of like, look, the R8 is going to be really, really good for you. And I like go that route or like even you go non full frame, like S20 or A6700 or whatever. But like that whole over $2,000 is just a different, it's a different yeah. price territory. Mm-hmm. And the competition is fierce up there. And I don't see, how the A7C2 slots in at twenty two hundred dollars? Yeah. I'm just I'm very surprised they didn't try to get below that two thousand dollar limit. If this was nineteen hundred, it would feel like so much of a better deal. Yeah, it's it's like if you know you need to shoot Sony, if you really want that autofocus and you want a small full frame camera, okay, like maybe this makes sense. Like it's a decent hybrid. It's it's really compact. I mean, if you're going to compare it to an R8 or you're going to compare it to an S5 Mark II, those cameras are significantly bigger and heavier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sony's always had that size advantage, so they're holding on to that and kind of like leaning into it. But I don't know. I mean, that's just that's got to be really important to you for this to be worth the cost. Yeah, I agree. It's just it's a strange it's a strange spot, and I mean, I think that you could probably find maybe like a used A7 IV for a similar price, like. Yeah. If it's $2,500 new, I'm like looking here just trying to like Google and see what I can find on maybe like eBay or MPB or KH or whatever. And it's like, you know, $2,150, yeah, $2,100. It's right around the same so price. So like if you're buying used, which always buy used camera gear, maybe not always, but used camera gear, right? It's going to be the same price. Yeah. And it's like... I, I, I still at, get at the same it. price, I'd rather go with the newer camera that's smaller, has all the AI features. It seems obvious. I well, I don't know. Like, if you don't need the AI features and you don't need like the, the improvement on the IBIS, like you're going to get a better viewfinder. You're going to have better, like a larger body that rejects heat better. You're yeah. going to have dual SD card slots. It seems like on the new A7C2, the AI processor does pull a little extra juice. And so, like, even though they're similar batteries, those are the same batteries, actually. You know, you're going to get better battery performance yeah. out of the A7 IV. That makes sense. So, I think I think you're right in that it's, we're in this, like, weird, weird slot where the A7 V has yet to drop. Yeah. And then that one's going to make this make a lot more sense. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just, right now, it's really strange. And I don't think there's going to be that many people buying an A7 IV at this point. Right. And I, but I also still think that it's almost like this camera will exist to push you into an A7 V because if it's, if the A7 V comes out and it's significantly better than the A7 IV, then like it's a $300 price difference. It, it if, if they price it the same, if they well, I feel like they have to. I don't know, man. Everything's going up now. Like I wouldn't be surprised if the A7 V is twenty seven hundred dollars. I think I think it has to be twenty six hundred dollars because that's where the the Z6 Mark II came in, which I know like they need to come up with the Z6 Mark III. That's where the uh, Canon R6 Mark II sits, right at twenty six hundred. Like I feel like that price point, yeah, it has to be like right in that sweet spot. I don't know, man. It just seems like they're 
really bumping their prices up. I mean, that mm-hmm. A6700 came out at, what is it, like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400? Yeah, it was like $1,400. $1,400, which that felt high. Mm-hmm. This feel, this A7C2 feels high. Yeah. I just feel like inflation has suddenly hit. Yeah, and like all everything. all the new cameras are $200 more than they used to be. It does feel like it's right about $200, which... 1900 1999 or whatever versus mm-hmm. 2199 for the a7c2 like there's your 200 bucks right there so yeah, I don't know. maybe not right maybe they maybe they ship it maybe they ship it even more expensive you know here's your 2800 a75 yeah it's just weird i don't know the I, like the specs of the camera make sense to me and the a7c2 is what i was expecting it to be in terms of specs the price is weird the A7CR, I was not expecting them to do that. I didn't think they would bring that 61 megapixel sensor down to anything cheaper than what they had it in. Yeah. So that it's just this is a really interesting release to me. I, I wasn't like I wasn't expecting things from both of those cameras in different ways. Sony's lineup has been become more and more confusing for me in that like I feel like Sony, Sony is the right answer for a lot of people. I think they make great gear and they have fantastic lenses. And I like E-mount and it's, it's just a really good option. A lot of people like it. And I know like if you're, if you're in photo, like there's a tons of use options. I mean, you can get, you know, whatever, like go buy like a 6400, right? Decent photo camera. But if you're like into video, which it feels like that's one of Sony's big market appeals. Sure, it's like YouTubers and people. Seems want, that way. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm going to buy Sony because I want to shoot video. Like, I still don't feel like I can recommend to people to buy any Sony camera that doesn't shoot the new 10-bit stuff. Absolutely. And so, to me, it's like it's gotten to the point where that's a line in the sand. If someone's like, man, I just, I want to I want to get a Sony camera because I want to shoot video. I'm like, well, don't buy anything older than the a7 IV because you don't want to deal with the 8-bit footage. Sure, it's going to be fine for probably like whatever you shoot, but if you ever get to the point where you want to start color grading... That footage doesn't hold up very good. Yeah, yeah. It that that camera, a camera with the eight bit is going to feel old much faster. Yeah, definitely. And so, like, that's my kind of like. But we talk about cameras all the time, and we're like super into it. So people ask me these questions. Yeah. And I just I can't, I can't recommend an eight bit Sony camera to someone who wants like a hybrid video camera, and because of that, it's like okay, well, you want to get into Sony. The cheapest thing that you can buy now is the A6700 at yeah. $1,400. And then the next thing up is this camera at $2,200. Yeah. Like there's not, it feels like there's no options for Sony for like people who want an entry level Sony hybrid camera uh, without spending, you know, $3,000 yeah. for a camera and a lens. Because we can't, we can't uh, look at the FX30 because that's not a hybrid. Right. I yeah, mean, I mean you can take only. photos with it, but I would not. I would not classify that as a hybrid yeah, yeah. camera. If they're looking for only only video. The FX30 is that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But for a hybrid, this A7C2 is probably the next cheapest option. It's like right. twenty two hundred dollars is a lot of money to spend. It is, especially if like you're you're just getting into it, which is kind of what I'm talking about. It's like if yeah. you're just getting into Sony, I feel like they're they don't maybe they've just like settled on their market share. But it's mm-hmm. like this camera twenty two hundred bucks. I feel like doesn't have a lot of curb appeal to people who aren't already into photography and videography and then for those people who are i mean like are you going to upgrade from maybe you could upgrade from a7c to this that would be a wonderful upgrade sure uh but like are you gonna upgrade from an a7 III or like you're not gonna upgrade from an a7 IV i just i don't know what you're coming from maybe like a 6400 or 6600 something something like that because i i feel like 
this this camera is not really for like the entry level shooter. I feel like the A sixty seven hundred is probably the one that's going to pick up most of the people that are new to sure doing that stuff. Because I mean, it is fourteen hundred dollars, which is still expensive, but it's a very capable camera, and there's nothing wrong with that. And then I guess from there, maybe you upgrade to something like this, but maybe I don't know. maybe that is the answer though. Like if you are shooting. From or you're coming from like a six thousand or sixty six hundred, sixty four hundred, something like that. Those cameras were released four years ago, and yeah. so you know you've been shooting on that camera for three, four, five years, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you're like, okay, I'm I've already invested in Sony Glass. I've had this camera for half a decade. I'm ready to upgrade. I'd like to go to full frame. Yeah. Okay, now what's next? Well, the A7C2 is the same, almost the same form factor. It's almost mm-hmm. exactly the same size as those smaller cameras. And so now you're like getting a bigger sensor, a lot of improvement. You can keep your lenses and it's just like this really clean upgrade path. Yeah. And, the, and the price is probably more palatable if you've sure. been into this for a while. Oh yeah, definitely. If I was on like a 6600, this would be very appealing to me. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's it. Like maybe that's the answer. Is like this is this is a great upgrade path for people coming from existing Sony APS-C bodies, who don't necessarily want to go to the sixty seven hundred because they want something that's like you know more. Yeah, meaningful upgrade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not that the sixty seven hundred wouldn't be, but this would be a, a bigger upgrade. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that, I don't know. That, that thing that seems to make the most sense to me. Yeah. As far as like any other context of this camera, I agree. because like if you don't. It's it's the compact thing, right? It's like I want something that's like small and that sort of you know form factor. Because if like the compact doesn't matter, and you open up the doors to like all these other options, there are so many better options yeah. than this camera at this price point. Like what? I mean, what are some there's examples? like obviously like the S five, the S five two, yeah. And we talked about the R eight, and I mean that you could go into the used market, you get like a Z six Mark two. You can get a Z7 Mark II for like $2,300. Used, you mean? Used. Yeah. No, refurbished. Refurbished straight from Nikon. Basically the price of the A7C2, but with the higher, like it's like a 42 or 47 megapixel yeah, sensor. that'd be a better camera. Yeah, that's a better choice to me than even the A7CR because you're going to get a way better viewfinder. You're going to get multiple card slots. It can shoot better video and it's like, that's that's a better buy to me than you know unless you really really need the AI autofocusing features. Yeah, or if you're just already into E mount or interested sure, in sure. E mount for whatever reason. Yeah. Right, but there's like there's a lot of cameras that are down around these price points. I yeah, mean, the R6 Mark II is right there at twenty six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to not go full frame, Fuji XH2 is two thousand. That's also you know a really capable camera. Yeah, forty megapixels. It's it's a higher resolution than the Sony sensor. If you don't need that full frame look mm-hmm. or whatever yeah you're going to spend less money on lenses and you're going to get uh in my opinion better colors yeah and a higher resolution sensor so it's just it's like this weird like everything's always a weird trade-off with camera gear and it's like okay what are you shooting yeah. all right this is probably what you need mm-hmm. and like for some people that makes sense to go with like a om1d or whatever <laughs> which is also around this price point <laughs> What's interesting, like for me, if I was a Sony shooter and I currently had like an A6400, I would be real. If I, if I, if my budget was such that I'd be looking at this camera, like let's say I wanted to spend $2,200, I'd be really tempted to get the ZV-E1, use that for all my video stuff, and then keep the 6400 for photos. That's just how I shoot. And so like, that's kind of how this gets weird because that's one of the one of the strange decisions you have to make is like how much do i care about photos versus video 
because you're spending the same amount of money and you can either get like a rounded hybrid camera or you can get something that's going to be significantly better for video that costs right. the exact same price so yeah it's like are you are you buying something that's specifically for a certain use case or are you trying yeah. to get a, like a, a do-it-all kind of thing mm-hmm. and i don't know it's like this camera isn't really for to me it's not really for like pro shooters it's for people who are you know it's like taken on a vacation kind of thing it's i wouldn't want to rely on like a single card slot and that sort of thing sure and like the the viewfinders in the back screen are such low resolution that it's like you can't hit. You're going to have trouble with like critical focus stuff, which I guess you just rely on the autofocus. So, I mean, it, it feels more like a consumer-focused camera. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, I'd agree with that. Maybe that's what the C stands for. <laughs> Compact, consumer, but not cheap. Yes, definitely not cheap. I would still pick up a ZV-E1 over this. Yeah. But I feel like that camera just seems like a lot of fun because it's so tiny. <laughs> And it's got such good video. Well, I mean, that's 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 where I'm at too. Because I, but I'd be I'd be imagining having some other camera for photography, which you know a lot of people are not looking to have two cameras. Right. So if I was only into the photo stuff, the A7CR would be way more appealing. Yeah. I mean, it is like eight hundred dollars more than the C2, but like it's a lot. But I there. I don't know if there's anything else at that price point that offers those specs. I mean, that no. the CR seems really interesting to me for people who care about photos. Yeah, no, to me, it's like there's the Nikon Z7 Mark II. Getting that refurbished is a really good option. Mm-hmm. But like, if you don't want to go that route and you want high resolution photos, there's nothing else. Like the your Canon option, like with the R5 or the R5, is R5 two out? No, it's just R5. Uh, like that's you know way up there forty five hundred dollars or whatever the R eight like sorry the Z eight same thing like four thousand yep. and the A seven R five is whatever they're four thousand dollars for photos I mean ignoring video for photos it seems like the main thing you give up compared to the A seven R five is the screen and EVF right which the EVF on the A seven R five is like just a total different class of yeah. EVF it's, yeah it's like nine million dots yeah, or something it's crazy good. Versus this one's like 1.7 yeah, or something. Yeah. That's where they saved money for sure. Yeah. Like you, you, if you're shooting with the A7CR, you're not going to be able to see the resolution of your photos until you like bring it onto a computer yeah. and then blow it up. Which to is 200%. a really weird feeling. That's, that's how it is for me when I shoot with the X-T30. Yeah. Because that, that camera has the same sensor as your Fuji X-T3 mm-hmm. and the pictures are really good, but they don't look very good on the screen. Right. And so you take the picture and you're kind of disappointed and mm-hmm. then you get it on the computer and you're like, oh, this actually looks good. And that, that feels like that same thing would happen with this A7CR. I feel like that would be frustrating because you like, you'd get this camera and you, you'd be maybe disappointed by like what you're looking at until you, you pull it into it, a computer. It is frustrating because it you, you lose that positive feedback loop of... You know, oh, I've, I've been taking pictures and I took a moment to look at some of these shots and like it kind of brings you down a little bit because you don't think they look good and you have to you have to like remind yourself that the camera is lying to you and that's not a great feeling. So it is like there are reasons to buy the A7R5, but, right, right. but it's pretty amazing that they released this camera at $3,000 and it has that 61 megapixel sensor. Yeah, it's and $1,000 is, is such a huge price jump that I think it would be pretty easy to justify going this route and like yeah. not going all the uh, way it's up. It's a very good, it's a, the price of a very good lens. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's just a really good cut. Whereas like with the a seven four comparison, it just doesn't make much sense. I like agree. 300 bucks. But like here, like the flippy screen on the a seven R five is great. 
Like you, you legitimately get pro features as far as like those SD card slots and, and, the, and the EBF and all this stuff. And so, and like adding the AK video shooting and blah, blah, blah. It's like there's a legitimate, like, you know, you're doing real work and like you're like a professional photographer person. Those are some legitimate upgrades. But if you don't need that and you're just like, I want really good photos for my vacations or whatever, like save a thousand bucks. Yeah. It's fantastic. I agree. So what, I don't even know what else to say on these things. Like, there's a few other like minor differences. Uh, for instance, they, neither of these have full mechanical shutters. Yeah. That was an interesting omission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just clearly a cost cutting thing, but they are both electronic first curtain shutter mm-hmm. or however that means. So it will scan the image with the electronic shutter and then it will drop the mechanical shutter behind it to, so like it'll engage the sensor and then it will drop the mechanical shutter right. in order to take the picture instead of like dropping a shutter then dropping a second shutter. Mm-hmm. And obviously that has the chance of one introducing rolling shutter in your photos uh, or like strobing with LED lights or in some cases it can, it's depending upon like what kind of lights you're taking photos of, it can cut off your bokeh. Yeah, like it's kind of weird. When ground in the background, it could have like a, just like the top of it lopped off. Yeah. And those issues seem to be not too much of a problem with these cameras. It seems like the readout speeds are decent enough that it isn't like a total issue, but it is something that you can't get around. Like you are yeah. stuck with electronics. Yeah, it's first. a physical aspect of the cameras. Right. But it seems like manufacturers don't seem to think that that's too much of a problem and that they're solving it well enough with read speeds. Yeah. Because yeah. like the Z8 and the Z9, neither of them have mechanical shutters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those are high-end cameras. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like we're just all slowly moving away from uh, mechanical shutters altogether. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when when the specs allow that to, to work and not have compromises, then I'm all for it because it's fewer moving parts. Yeah, you know, it's probably, uh, probably better long-term. I just, I need, like, we're moving for energy efficiency. We're moving to all LED everything. But we're also moving to all, you know, electronic shutter for cameras. And those things don't yeah, go well together, that, that's Daniel. That's true. That is a bad combination. I just, it's like there's nothing we can do to stop that train. Going to have to rely on the AI to help us just to rebuild the image. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I will say, though, that, you know, joking aside, features like the the uh, anti-flicker and Resolve actually do a really good job of cleaning that up. Yeah, it was surprisingly good. I have had some issues in Resolve where I do the, the like the flicker removal thing and it uh like it ghosts like someone's hand. Yeah, yeah, cuz it doesn't work if there's a lot of motion. Mhm. Right. I don't know. Still pretty good. Yeah. It's a lot better than doing that whole like duplicate the footage and try to like offset a little bit. It does a little more does it a little more nuanced. Yeah, so. for sure. The other difference with these new cameras, they come in uh, silver and black. That's always a color win. options. I'm all about I'm all about color options for cameras. Yeah, so. yeah. I thought I, I thought that was neat. Yeah, ten out of ten for that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that we talked about rumors for that Nikon ZF ZF camera, mm-hmm. and that one was rumored to be at two thousand dollars. Oh man, that that'd be another interesting contender for the same mm-hmm. spot. Also rumored to come out in September. So like probably shortly around the corner there's gonna be like a cheaper equally good mm. silver nikon camera yeah that in my opinion is probably gonna look cooler than this camera well looks are important so i mean coming from a fuji shooter <laughs> <laughs> i would say uh yeah it matters how cool your camera looks <laughs> well i don't think i have anything else to say on these two um 
interesting release. Yeah, I mean, we kind of kind of covered it. I think it's they fit in a weird spot in the market, but yeah, I feel like no one knows how to review these things. Everyone's like, yeah, sure, this is a cool upgrade, and like that's kind of where they leave it. They're like, well, you've seen the A seven four. Here it is again <laughs> in a different body. It's smaller now. It's smaller. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like no one really knows how to talk about these things yet. Yeah. And it's like, because like, they don't make sense in the context. Well, at least the A7C2 doesn't make sense in like mm-hmm. the context of where it's landing. And I don't know. I feel like the lineup just has to shake its way out. Do we know when the A7 V is going to come out? Nobody knows except for Sony. True. I mean, it can't be that far away. especially now it's like a it's a very conspicuous um hole in the lineup but i don't know i mean it if they want to release it this year they need to do it like in the next month because otherwise they miss the holiday shopping window so i don't know right i maybe it doesn't come out this year yeah maybe not this uh this website camera egg.org thinks that it's going to be 2024 to 2025. <laughs> 2025 would be so long. To there's wait. no, there's no way. It's, yeah, that I doesn't think, sound realistic. If I had to, if I had to put a guess on it, I would say it's going to be a spring release. Yeah, that's and we're not, what I we're think not going to see it this fall. That's what I think too. I think with them, with them releasing these cameras now, I don't see them also releasing another camera in like October or something. Well, you see, Daniel, Sony sells all the camera sensors. So they know, they know what's up. They know what's happening out there, and uh, they all, they know it's twenty twenty three. Camera of the year hasn't been released yet. <laughs> that is true. And uh, they're just waiting for that other shoe to drop. They know Panic Song's gonna become tr- trunking out here, and they're gonna drop that S S one H Mark two. Yep. And like, no one's gonna be able to stop it. It's just gonna, it's gonna be like, here's the best camera, and they just they can't compete. They can't compete with it. And so they're like, why even try? Might as well just just give up and wait till next yeah, year. Just wait. Like let let Panasonic have their limelight. <laughs> win camera of the year twenty twenty three. And then we'll uh we'll we'll deal with it next year. The A seven five. I guess we'll see. It's conspiracy theory. Yeah. But yep. it's but it's totally right. We'll circle back on that and see yep, if you're I, proven correct. I know what's up. <laughs> We're running out of year. I don't I haven't heard of anything about a Panasonic event. I know, man. I'm, it's, like, I'm getting nervous. Yeah, well, I, can't, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Yeah, like I'm, you'll, you'll have to retroactively award in a, a different camera. Well, that's camera what I'm saying. I'm, we're like we're gonna we're gonna get to the end of December, and we're gonna have to pick a camera of the year for 2023. And if it's not the S5, nope, sorry, the Lumix S18 Mark II. What are we gonna do? I don't know. What like we're probably gonna have to like pick the ZVE1 or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve judgment on that until we get to December. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I should probably just start working on my rankings. Yeah, it'll take you that long to figure it out. Well, you know, I, I need to think about it very judiciously and like really carefully consider all the releases yeah. from this year. Yeah, make sure you uh, factor in what's the best low light camera well, and sure. only consider things micro four thirds and smaller. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean it's just because of the computation, Daniel. Don't <laughs> don't you know? I wonder if they've updated their thing. I need to go. I need to go look and see see what Artings has as the as their current yeah current highest the, range recommendation. They're still talking about the GH6. They probably need to stop. Didn't you find a used GH6 for like thirteen hundred dollars or something? 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's getting it's getting pretty low down there. I mean, that's that camera didn't come out that long ago, and that's like a thousand dollars off the price. That's oh. pretty cheap. Man, they have updated it to summer twenty twenty three. Last time it Ooh. was spring. Well, this is. I didn't know we were going to get this content today, oh. but let's let's hear it, <laughs> oh, man, it was, live on air. I'm so excited. This is my first time looking at this. Okay, best camera for low light. Canon R6 Mark II. Uh, so that's a better choice than what they had before. It is a better choice than the GH5S. But I don't know <laughs> why they didn't go with the ZV-E1. Why, well, and they didn't put a price limit on it. It's the a, a7 III or the FX3. Like, yeah. I but I mean, even if they wanted to stay, even if they, without saying it, even if they wanted to stay sub 3000, ZV-E1 has the same sensor and it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's well, I mean, cheaper than the R6 Mark II. Well, it could, it could be that they're talking about cameras that take photos. So, like, maybe you have uh, you have to like take okay. the FX30 off the table. But even still, Sony wins on ISO performance every time. Yeah. Like, if you you go look and like they they can mm-hmm. always go one stop farther on ISO than everybody else, yep. and they have better noise performance at those higher ISOs, especially with the A7S3. I'm just know. saying. I don't get that. I don't get it. Okay. Best upper mid range camera for low light. For low light, mm-hmm. they have they have so they have multi they have best they have, low they light. They have tiers best and then, okay. and then upper mid range, which is the Nikon Z6 Mark II. <laughs> I see. I'm seeing a trend here, Daniel. It's only six Mark IIs. Well, <laughs> well, and so far it's only like classic camera brands. It's like they don't know Sony exists. Here's the best mid range cam mid range for low light. XS XS10. Oh, ex- wait, XS10? Yeah. Well, I guess it's summer summer of... Uh, 2023, right? So had, right. had the Fuji Summit happened yet whenever they oh. updated this. All right, budget. Here you go. Olympus OMD EM10 Mark IV. For low light? <laughs> yep. Yep, best budget one. How much is that camera? That camera? I mean, that's an old camera. <laughs> I think that... <laughs> Getting that for like $200 used or something? Like, I know that... Who bought who bought Olympus? It's Olympus Systems or OM System. OM yeah, System bought OM them, system. and then they've been slowly re-releasing all their cameras under the OM brand. Yeah. They haven't even re-released this one under the OM yeah. brand yet. Man, I I don't even know how old that that camera is. I don't know what they're doing over there. Are things? Man. They got best DSLRs. Oh yeah, because people are still buying those. Oh, here we go. Best camera for low light video ZVE one. There we go. Okay. Fin- yeah, all finally right. something okay. we agree with. Yeah, I can get behind that. Oh, well, they're getting there, Daniel. They'll, fi- they'll figure it out one day. Eventually, they'll catch up. Mm-hmm. Man, they even have an R8 on here as far in, in ratings. That's cool. 8.2. Anyways, what are we talking about? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I like r but I don't know about those camera ratings. Yeah. it's They're updated. This spring, it was it was really bad. Looks like it's updated now. Yeah. So, we're gonna I mean, need, they, they still, need to, back they still need to call us up to get some real recommendations. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah. We can help them out with their reviews. Yeah. <laughs> get a lot of opinions <laughs> all right let's uh let's cover some other stuff today um i i can't i can't be a sony bro for a whole episode yeah gotta, sure gotta talk about some other stuff i stretched it out as long as i could yeah Daniel. yeah so i wanted to follow up on some stuff we talked about a few weeks ago uh and the first thing is soft boxes so we talked at, we talked in way too much depth, way more depth than I expected on the topic of quick open soft boxes. And I mentioned that I had purchased a few and I just wanted to quickly give a recap, I guess, on my experiences with those. So, I mean, we, we talked about it for like 
10 minutes maybe eh, it felt felt like felt like longer i don't know I, it was the most in-depth conversation on soft boxes that i've seen from any source i personally feel like i could go for a good 20 minutes on soft boxes i think you're probably right and you're gonna need that when we start that soft box camera gear podcast that's we right about, yeah so. wait, wait, after we uh whatever ghost launched it yeah yeah, yeah. go look for that in your podcast player <laughs> <laughs> let us know if you find it Oh, I'm worried what they'll find. Yeah, me too. Uh, anyway, so I got these two soft boxes, and first thing I did when I got them was try to put both of them together, and that was kind of where I immediately noticed differences between these two. So to be fair, one of the ones that I bought was a used Godox softbox. So you know, I, I know it's kind of it, it's fighting fighting from a disadvantage there being a used one, but that one has like the umbrella opening style where it pops open you know, pretty quickly. And so I was excited about that, but it had the same problem that I've had with every other softbox I've gotten where when you get it, you have to assemble it. And so you have that, you know, that umbrella system thing that has the long legs and you have to feed them through like three different loops on the softbox. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And just getting that whole thing to work and getting all the stuff in the little pockets was really annoying. Was it worse than normal? I, so so again, the one I got was used, and I don't know if that was a factor. Okay, but I found it to be more annoying than putting together my old soft boxes because on my old ones, I had you know like the same sort of wire deals, but the wires were independent, and so I could just like grab one wire and stick it in. With this one, I had the problem that like the wires were all connected together, and so like you try and move one wire and it moves the other wires and it was just it was just really hard to put that thing together. Do you still have to like land it in those pocket socket things at the very end yes, of the softbox? That was exactly the same. And does it still slip off of those whenever you store it? So, I've only used that one like twice, once or twice, so I I can't say for sure how it's going to be long term. Um it did seem like that was a little bit of a problem like the first time I pulled it out of the bag after assembling it. Some of the things that popped out, and I had to deal with that. And this is, you know, it seems like a Godox issue to me. And yeah. I, whenever I put the softbox together, I want to like go get like a thread and needle mm-hmm. and like sew those things up yep. so that they never slide I agree. out. I agree. It's super annoying. I don't know how you would fix that, honestly. It's like it's a, it's, it's a, like an umbrella stick and you put it in the pocket thing. Yeah. Like maybe that, like I know that you want to be able to like take that whole outer shell thing off and like replace it with something else. And so you can't like permanently affix it. Mm-hmm. But there's gotta it's be like, a better it's way. It's like inside the pocket, they should minimally have like rubber or something, something that, mm-hmm. that the, that the poles do not want to slip out. Sure. Of. Or like make it like a, like a, put like a hook on it or yeah, something, something or like make the, the tip as like a triangle shape. So it kind of like slides mm-hmm. in and like kind of locks, but you can still like pull yeah. it out if you need to by squeezing it. I don't know. There's gotta be a way I agree. where you don't get. <sighs> now I'll say the, the other softbox I got was the angler 48 inch one mm-hmm. and the, the user, and, and that was a lot more expensive. So that softbox was like $140. Right. But the user experience of it is just dramatically better. So okay, for okay. one thing, when I got it, it arrived assembled. Okay. So I didn't have to put those rods in there. I'm interested. Which, yeah, that was that felt worth it. That's worth 50 is. bucks to me. Um, I've used that one multiple times and the rods have not come out. So oh. I haven't looked to see how they're secured. Sure. Uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to ruin the magic almost. Right, but, yeah, yeah, don't mess but, with it. But, uh, but so far that's holding very well. The case is a lot better too. So on most of the ones I've used, like from Godox and stuff, they basically... 
It's kind of like those old, those camp chairs that you get where you, know, you have like this long tube bag and it has like a bungee on one end, right. and, you know, and you can open yeah. it up and like stuff the soft box in. Yep. And that's part of the problem that you have with those rods coming out because whenever you pull it out, yeah, the it's whole like thing under, slides it's under and tension, basically. Yep. You, you know? can put it in, you can put it in the way so that as you push that thing down onto your soft box, it pushes the things back on. Yeah. And then it's a problem when you take it out yep. or vice versa. Yep. Yep. You just, there's no win. There's no win. And so this, this angler one has... The case is still, you know, it's still a fabric case, but it has a little bit more form to it, and it's got a zipper on the end instead of uh, instead of the bungee. So that's one advantage. But it also has a zipper going all the way down the length of the bag. Okay. And so you can unzip it from the end, and you can try and pull it out if you want. But if you unzip the thing from the side, like you can basically just lift the soft box out of the bag, which is much easier to do. Are they YKK zippers? I <laughs> haven't looked, but I should look. <laughs> they're not i'm not interested yeah yeah the uh you know the other important part of it is like how you assemble it and disassemble it and that's one area where it's not quite as good as the godox i think i'm kind of undecided i guess so it's not like the godox where you just have a single thing that you pop open like an umbrella instead you have all the little rods connected to that center bowen's ring mount and you basically grab each rod and just kind of like muscle it into position, like into the into the 90 degree position. And then there's a little lock on there and that locks in place. And so you have like, you know, eight to 10 rods, something like that. And you basically have to go all the way around the ring and just like click, 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 and like get all those rods to lock into like the open position. So it's like, so like each of the, where it connects to the Bowen, mm-hmm. around the Bowen. Those are like hinged yeah, almost. Hinged. And then you kind of just have to pop it out and then lock yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not hard. It is much easier than the sure. old style where you have to like line up the rod and insert it into a hole. Like it's much simpler than it that. It sounds like an interesting compromise to like the Amaran, not the Amaran, but the Aperture version where like mm-hmm. they have this like half moon lever thing that you kind of pull to pop those into place. Yeah. But they have a similar like they're all hinged around at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then whenever you want to pack it away, each of those hinges has like a little, like a, basically like a push button on it. And you just press that button and that releases the hinge. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, again, just kind of go around the ring and just release all these things it's pretty quick. I, to me, it's a, it, it's a huge improvement over the older soft boxes I had. I think the opening mechanism of the umbrella ones is a little bit easier to work with. I mean, it's faster probably, but so far, I'm really impressed with this one. I think it's built better. I'm curious how it's going to hold up long term because you've had problems with your Godox one where the diffusion materials basically just started to like rip away from the Velcro. Right, and like right. The, the whole thing just doesn't really feel that well made. And so I'm hopeful that this Angler one is better built. Like the case is a lot better. I really liked that it came assembled. So, so far, I feel like it was worth it to spend more, but I guess we'll see long term. You know, you know pop up tents? Yeah. Uh, you just like way throw it out there and it goes boop. Yeah. Why can't I have that for a softbox? It'd be, it'd be so nice. Like, why do I have to, like, even even what you described sounds like more effort than I want to have to deal with. It's like, you you show up on set, you got to, like, set up all the audio, and you got to, like, you're, you're, you didn't have a fancy doctor bag, and so you got to, like, rig your camera yep. up, and you got to, like, put another thing, you got to do the frame, you got to, like, put everything like so, then you got to do the lighting, and it's just, it's just like a whole thing. And 
dealing with a softbox of like, you take the softbox out and, oh, shoot, half of the stupid little stick things <laughs> aren't in the sockets anymore. Oh, I know. And I don't want to take freaking like five to ten minutes and have to like reset every single one and have to do it again because someone came out. You, you, know what? I'm you just, don't look very professional when you're doing that either. Yeah, and you also don't look professional whenever you set up the softbox and it looks like there's like sticks poking out of it because the keychains... <laughs> I'm just like, ignore the softbox. Don't look at it. Don't look directly into the light. <laughs> Mostly because the softbox looks hideous. <laughs> Not because it's bad for you. And and if you have the Godox one where the, you know, where the, the diffusion material started ripping away from the Velcro, yeah, you know, your softbox ends up all kind of like misshapen and weird. Mm-hmm. And there's like a yeah, little you, hole in the side. You have it's like a awful. hot spot on the wall over there. It's just, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, why are softboxes such a problem? And why aren't more people talking about it? And where is my pop-up tent version? <laughs> Maybe that's your product idea. That's that's your that's your million dollar ticket. Yeah, it's like it it it's, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't fold down like an umbrella like here's this 4 foot long stupid thing. I'm talking I want like, you know, I can stuff this in my bag it folds down to like a disc or something. And be perfect. And like, like like the diffusion or the uh, like the 5 in 1 reflectors. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. Like I have this like little thing. Mm-hmm. I just go boop and then it pops up. Yep. Hopefully in like a violent way to where like you have oh, to be yeah. careful to not hit somebody with yeah, it. Yeah, you have like like stand back. Yep. Like it's gonna knock down. It's <laughs> not gonna knock some glass off of a table or something. <laughs> you, you like hold it out and it just boom, it pops out. Be perfect. They, like there's there are things like that that exist. I know. Yeah. The technology is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just gotta just gotta build it. I, I'm gonna start my Kickstarter. What should I call my softbox brand, Daniel? <laughs> I'm gonna call it Popbox. <laughs> That's a good name. Yeah. All right, so go look for Popbox on Kickstarter. <laughs> I, I'm honestly surprised that that doesn't exist. I like. Well, maybe it does. You can't find it because when you search for soft boxes, it's like you can't just like look at like okay, we need the soft box that has 4K 60. Like, yeah, it's just not like what are you what are you gonna like? You search up pop up soft boxes, they all pop up because mm-hmm. like you have to put them together. I just I don't I don't know. Well, and we talked about this last time when we discussed soft boxes where. Most of the YouTubers have the Aperture one, and so yeah. they're they're not doing in-depth reviews of softboxes because they're like, oh, you should probably just get the Light Dome. It's really good, and it is really good, but yeah, I want to know about all the other options. Yeah, it's just it's just so hard. And you've got all the pro people doing things like book lighting or just like shooting through a scrim or whatever. Oh, yeah. So like they they're not going to be able to tell you much about like what softbox to use. It's like there's this missing gap of of like prosumer. You, you want to use good lighting, but you don't want to spend a ton of money. People like, are who shooting corporate things, shooting music videos where it's like you're doing small scale stuff there. You don't, you're not going to like bring out the scrim, mm-hmm. but like you need something that's more than just like an umbrella flash because you're doing a video or whatever. You need a steady light. Yeah. It seems like there would be plenty of that. I mean, they, people, there's all kinds of brands that are selling these, you know, 50 to $200 yeah. softbox solutions, but. I don't know. They're all stupid. I think a lot of people buy one and it's just not that great, but it's, you know, it's just like, well, I bought it. It's acceptable. It's not fun to spend money on stuff like this. So whatever. Yeah. Cause it's soft boxes aren't exciting, right? Yeah. Like you, you would rather spend that money on, I don't know, like a camera bag or a camera strap or like literally any other accessory yeah. Yeah. than a soft box. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just end up dealing with putting those little mm-hmm. rods in every time. But that's why the pop box is only ninety nine ninety nine. Oh man. Dropping the price yeah. already. Just wow. support me on Kickstarter. <laughs> Comes in multiple different sizes. We got a 72 inch <laughs> all the way down to a 24 inch. I think it's you, actually those only those two sizes. <laughs> I, I think you could go smaller. 
<laughs> we'll be coming out with a six inch soon. Oh, so, okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. But right now we're releasing only with the 24 and the 72. Yes. Nothing in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be perfect. Yeah. She's so stupid. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Just I know that we talked about softboxes a lot. I would like to reiterate, very boring. I was looking up Fuji rumors while you were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, 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 we expect the people listening to this show to be paying attention to us, and you're not even paying attention to us. Come on. No one cares. No one cares. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I've been ranting about Popbox for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, that's true. No one's even going to Google it. They're like, whatever. I have this. I have an Aperture one, and it works fine. I don't know what they're complaining about. All right. What's this Fuji rumor? It sounds like, so like they, we've talked about the GFX 100 and all these rumors and stuff. It sounds like it's going to have some pretty cool video specs. I, man, that really caught my eye because I, that's what I've always thought about medium format cameras is, you know, oh, it's great for photos, but I shoot video, so I don't care about it. The video specs that they're rumoring for it are pretty good. Yeah, like there's a lot of talk about like 8K, 30K, 24 blah, 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 and like actual, you know, 10-bit 422 video, mm-hmm. something that's, you know, reasonably comparable to a, like a xh2 kind of thing yeah i don't i'm not gonna hang my hat on it because it's 102 megapixels probably <laughs> and like that's a lot of binning or oversampling and there's no way that they have the processor power to do like oversampled 100 megapixels can you imagine <laughs> right but like but you know 8k is 8k is whatever 40 something it's like 42 megapixels or something like that and so you know or i guess it's right at right around 40 ish yeah because anyways whatever doesn't matter like, they're not going to oversample down. There's going to be some sort of binning, which, like, maybe that gets weird with, like, the lines, blah, blah, blah. But this rumor right here says maybe they're going to have touch-to-focus autofocus for video. Uh, yeah, I saw there was some autofocus. They, they said photo-wise, they thought the autofocus would be greatly improved over the previous GFX cameras. Yeah. But then I did also see some of this. And they also have, like, subject detection and stuff. It seemed like they were... A couple of autofocus-related rumors for video. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like you know it will probably have a lot of those similar things. But this this is new, Daniel. I know, I know. Like everyone out here listening is like, what what are you talking about? Every camera that shoots video, you can like touch the subject on the back of the screen and then it'll track it. It's just well, you, it's touch yeah, to track autofocus. We, we've been talking about Sony so much in this episode. You yeah. know, there's a lot of Sony bros listening, and they're like, right. wait, that's just that's just table stakes. Yeah, it's a normal right. feature. Every camera does that, right? No. No, Daniel. <laughs> That's like on a Fuji camera, you can touch the track for photos, but you can't do it for video. Yeah. And it's like this is like this is the stupidest thing. I'm like, you have the feature. Just like bring it over to the video side. There's a rumor that they're gonna bring it with a GFX. You know what's gonna happen though. Similar to that new film simulation, it's gonna be on the new stuff, but they're never gonna bring oh, it back geez, to the older I'm gonna, we're gonna complain I'm gonna complain about it on this podcast. For months, it's going to be like ISO on a dial, where it's like, where's where's the thing? We're going to get the firmware version nine, and then they're going to be like, and coming to the XH2S is nothing because we forgot no, about that be, camera. It'll be more camera to cloud features. Oh jeez, they just like it's that's not even their video camera, right? Their video camera is like the APS-C stuff. They, the GFX100 is not their video camera. It's going to cost ten thousand dollars. Who's buying that camera for video? It's a cool feature, but like. Are they going to release it with a firmware update for the XH2S? I mean, that would... They could. That would floor me, Daniel, if, like, September 12th comes rolling around. And I don't even know when this episode comes out. Maybe this has already happened. And, like, they get up on the stage or, or whatever. Like, they're playing their, their EDM music. And, like, here's this sweet new feature. And also, it's coming to all the old cameras. 
I'd lose my mind. <laughs> I just, Maybe next time on this podcast, we'll be able to hear you losing your mind about oh, that. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> for the just for being able to touch the focus for video on the <laughs> <laughs> What? Well, we were pretty excited about ISO on a dial, which mm-hmm. uh, that's also been around for a pretty long time. Yeah, it, it does. It does feel like I'm just slowly uh, decrediting myself as far as my camera opinions because it's like, well, man, my XH2S camera the year 2022. But like also, you know, ISO wasn't on a dial and you can't touch the focus of the video and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Paper cut, paper cut, paper cut. Well, Fuji may be flawed, but we still love it. Well, sure. It's, I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> All those film simulations and those colors. I'm just saying. Yeah. The lenses are all like just tiny. It's got a really good video. I'm just saying, I like my Fuji camera. Yeah, yeah. You have such a smile on your face right now talking about your Fuji camera. <laughs> I'm just really invested, Daniel. Is that what's next on our list here? We're going to talk about the GFX 100 rumors a little more? <laughs> no, no. I, I don't think we're going to be doing that. No? Okay. <laughs> I think we'd probably better call it there. Well, you don't want to talk about you don't want to talk about the, the Mollus X100? I think we're going to have to save it for next week. Oh, jeez. I knew that I knew that Sony was going to take up everything. Yeah, yeah. That's how, I mean that's what happened. they released twice as many cameras as I thought thought they were going to. We bar- we barely got into that lens. I know like we joked about it a little bit. But that 16 to 35 is like yeah. better in every way. I know. I mean like that's that's a meaningful update and for mm-hmm. a lot of for a lot of Sony shooters they probably won't get either of these new cameras, but they might upgrade to that lens. Well, it seems like that the like they this is the trinity, right? They had the the standard zoom and the telephoto, you know, 7200. And the G Master 2.8s. Yeah. And those were like sorely need of upgrade and they updated those. And so this one was kind of the last one of the Trinity. The previous version is still a really good lens. Like I think that like with this update, if you can find the G the G Master one version of it for cheaper, that's probably actually gonna be a better buy. Cause like maybe like less close focal distance, chromatic aberration is maybe like a smidge worse. Yeah. It's a little heavier, that sort of thing. But I think if you can save Near five hundred bucks or something sure. on it, like go yeah. that route. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a lot of promise. Well, then also like this is a really cool lens. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm on board with things being smaller and lighter. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big yep. that's a big reason why I shoot APS-C. So seeing full frame stuff getting smaller, that's a good thing. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that much, but yeah, yeah. that's fine. It's fine because the like you know the cameras overshadow it. Yeah, this is the camera gear podcast. Right, it's not the lens gear podcast. Yeah, good Wait. point. It kind of is though. that's it for the show today thanks for joining us and if you liked it tell a friend so they can check it out too you can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com and you can find us on twitter at camera gear pod we'll be back with more next week